He alone is worthy, and you know that in this place today. Let's go to the Lord. This is, I just want you to hear me. This, this can't be a transition that's happening right now. This has to be a time when we stop and just talk to Jesus. So whatever's going on, just stop it for a second. Just realize you are talking to your authority. You're talking to God Almighty. Father, in this room, watching online right now, listening to a podcast later this week, God, we need you. We can't breathe another breath without you. We can't take another step without you. We'll never sing another song without you. And God, today as we dig into a subject that is such a struggle for so many of us, God, help us get it. Help us not just get it, but help us apply it so that it changes our life, but understanding that you are the one who is changing our lives. Open our ears as you've already opened our mouths. I love hearing the people worship you in this place, God. All glory to you. But now, God, teach us from your word by your power. In the holy name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. We need you. We seek you at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Adults, you can be seated. And if you're a, one of our uh, elementary age uh, children, you are welcome to head back with Miss Sarah and their crew. They're going to have great stuff for you this morning. And you will walk away fed as you go to continue worshiping there. So I want to begin with a... Uh, Kind of a personal thing that's happened in life. See if you can relate just a little bit. I will start with this simply like this. Uh, I have, I know what this does and I, I just, I'll take my chances, okay? Uh, I have not had a speeding ticket since 1987. So, 1986, I experienced it for the first time. I don't know at 16 if you can ever get ready for the blue lights behind you. The officer was super nice, but the penalty was catastrophic. At that time, I was making about $105 a week, working for about $2.75 an hour at that moment. That was a lot of work during that week after football practice to try to get all that in. Got that ticket. That ticket, I think, was $120 or $125. You know, we're talking about wisdom today. Wisdom says that you not only know the facts, but you also know how to handle those facts. Now, I knew the facts that if you go on Highway 99 and you go over 55 miles an hour, there's a very good chance that there is a, a trooper or a sheriff's department car, could have even been my future father-in-law at that time, uh, that could have pulled me over and given me a ticket for pushing the limit and trying to get home on time. <laughs> Bad idea. The second one came almost a year to the day later within about a hundred yards of exactly the same place. The only problem was that hundred yards put those blue lights in the reflection of my house that I grew up in, which made the ticket very different. It didn't matter what the price was on the ticket. 
It was the man who met me at the door that changed everything. Honestly, it's why it was my last ticket. Because wisdom didn't take place the first time. Wisdom didn't take place the second time. Well, it did. But it wasn't because of the ticket. It was because when I walked in that day, or that night, my dad said, congratulations, I told you if you got another ticket that you would get to pay your own insurance. And he gave me my insurance bill. And I got to pay it from then on. Which, because of two tickets... I gained wisdom. I don't know if you experience that kind of thing in life, but it's real. Um, we, we need to learn from what we've experienced, but we also need to learn from what we know. A lot of us in this room, and I'm talking about just looking around this place, so, so many of you, you're like me, you've known Christ for so long that you are so familiar with so much of what God has taught you through the years. Matter of fact, so many of you in this room, you've even memorized stuff. Matter of fact, lots of scripture. There, there are those of you in this room that know so many more scripture. You know where it is, what the numbers are behind it, and exactly what it says verbatim in the translation that you memorized it in. But my question is, but what have we done with it? We know what it says, but has it applied? Because you're going to hear some scripture today, but have you applied it? That's what needs to happen in our lives because we need to quit seeing those blue lights behind us for that kind of, uh, of life that we're living. So in James chapter 3 and verse 13 is where we're starting off. So if you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll go there. Paper edition sitting right in front of me. I love to be able to go back and read through his word. When I start my studies, that's always where I start. I go back to, this, to, to, to the paper, to the words on the paper and read it all in context. We're in James chapter 3 and verse 13. If you don't have that with you, it's up on the screen. You can pull it up on your phone or whatever, but follow along. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. It says this in verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, there is a ton in that passage, but simply it says this, if you're wise, let your life prove it. If, if, you, if you have knowledge that has been applied, let your life prove it. Several translations and older translations say this, let it show. Let, let it be seen that you've learned stuff that it changes your behavior. Let that happen. Years ago, and I discovered this while I was studying this week, uh, Curtis Vaughn was my uh, New Testament professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth uh, back in the early 90s. Uh, one of my favorite teachers that I ever had. Wrote a lot of, of uh, New Testament commentaries. Just a brilliant man on the New Testament and New Testament Greek. Found out he passed away this summer at 80 years old. Uh, a tough loss for the kingdom and for Southwestern Seminary. But he said this, he said, the, truest, the, or the true test of wisdom is works, not words. So wisdom is not the knowledge. Wisdom is what comes from the knowledge. That's what it is. That's what we have to learn to apply to our lives. So what is wisdom? In the Greek, wisdom is a word, Sophia. There may be a Sophia in this room, which means wisdom, Sophia. 
It is the ability to judge correctly, to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. So it, it is things we know plus experience that change the behavior. That's what it is. If you go on, Sophia, wisdom also, it emphasizes understanding ultimate things like life and death. It's got a handle that there is a life, there is a death. It, it understands that there is a heaven, there is a hell. Wisdom does that. Wisdom says there is eternity and there is time. It understands that on this earth there is limited time. Uh, my wife and I went to another funeral yesterday. It's the second one this month that we have gone to say at least a temporary goodbye to godly friends that we love. This earth is temporary. Sophia, uh, wisdom, it's mental excellence at its highest and fullest sense because knowledge is worthless if we don't apply it. It's just knowledge if we don't apply it. Wisdom, frequently used in the New Testament to describe the ability to discern and to conform to God's will. So it's not just hearing and knowing God's will, it's, it's doing it. And doesn't that sound just like James? It's not just knowing it, it's doing it. Wisdom, not just knowledge, applied knowledge. But in order to apply the knowledge, you have to understand it. So, what if we don't have godly wisdom? What if that's not what our lives look like right now? How, how do we get it? Can we get it? Is it possible? I, I can imagine that my parents watching me grow up and experience that kind of stuff said, will he ever get it? We'll help him. <laughs> you pay this from now on. We'll help you. If you back up to James chapter 1, verses 5 and the first part of verse 6, it says this. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. If you need it, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking for wisdom. He won't rebuke you for it. Verse 6 begins there. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Now there's an element in there that you cannot miss, that you, cannot over, uh, you, you, you can't overlook this. You have to see this, okay? It has to come from from, from Christ. It has to come by faith in what he can do in your life. So if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, true wisdom comes from God. It's the only place it comes from. True wisdom, biblical, godly wisdom, it only comes from God. And the other thing is that you have to have faith in God alone. You have to. You, you, have, to, you have to know God. He's the one that has to make this change in my life and your life. No matter how bad we want it, if it doesn't come from God, it won't last. It has to come from him. That's where true wisdom comes from. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 says this, says the fear of the Lord is the foundation. I remember when I memorized this, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think that was in the um, New International Version or the New American Standard Version years ago. But it's the foundation. That's actually a very good translation. It's the, it's the starting point. It's, it's what everything else is laid on before the rest of it can ever begin. It's the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. I mean, couldn't we use some good judgment? 
I would love to pass this on to our local government and our state government and our federal government and whatever this international government stuff is that's trying to start. Wouldn't you love some, some, some wisdom and judgment and good judgment there? That's why number two says this true wisdom has to begin with the fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? Does that mean I'm terrified of God? Well, there is an element of that, and we should be. He is our authority. He is our judge. That is very true. Fear of the Lord. It's realizing who God is. It's not that he's going to smite us out and make us into to ashes right now, but it's realizing that he could. That's the beginning. That's realizing who God is. It's realizing that he is fully in charge. It's realizing that he absolutely knows everything. He, he, he's able to understand the, the writings before they were ever written in Scripture, and he's also able to see the last page of human history, even before it's written. He is God. He knows everything. That he alone is the righteous judge. That is the fear of the Lord. And he alone makes salvation available to all who would trust him by grace through faith alone. That is the fear of the Lord, that he alone is our authority. Ultimately, he is our authority. Now, God desires for us to be wise, to have wisdom. But what is wisdom? Biblical wisdom is understanding God's ways, his reasoning. His whys and his why nots. But it's more than that. Just like the rest of James' letter to us, it's not just what we know and that we know what is wise. It's living it. It's proving it by the way that we live. It's as much by, about our actions as it is about the intellect. It's much, about, it's, it's much about what's going on coming out of our body as it is the knowledge that has gone into it. It's what's gone into it, and it's been translated spiritually, wholly by God to become what he desires for us to be. That is wisdom. He says you are wise if you do good works and if you are completely humble about it. That is wisdom. But there is another type of wisdom. It's one that are outside. It's, one, it's a wisdom that's outside these doors, but it's also a wisdom that uh, could very much be a part of our lives in this room. It's man's wisdom. It's earthly wisdom. It's worldly wisdom. Number three on your outline kind of begins to explain this. The wisdom of this is usually misleading and dangerous it's usually it's not always it's usually misleading and dangerous james chapter 3 verse 14 to 16 says it like this but if you are bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition in your heart don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not god's kind of wisdom such things are earthly unspiritual and demonic let that soak in for a second earthly wisdom <laughs> for 
wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Earthly wisdom is short-sighted. It can't see out. It pretty much sees right here. It's in the experience of the moment. It tends to just look out for number one, which is number one. It's me. It's you. It's, it's us as individuals. And everything it looks at or experiences, it misses the big picture. The big picture is eternity. The big picture is the kingdom of God. The big picture is God's ways of doing things that we are here on earth for a specific reason, specifically to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you were created. It's why we have breath in our lungs this morning. It's why you were able to sing in this place today. It's realizing that there is life after death. And it's eternal. Whether it's heaven or whether it's hell, it's realizing that it is real. Now, not all of man's wisdom is intrinsically bad. Uh, think about it like this. Uh, street smarts can keep us alive. Being wise in this world in that way, uh, from what you've experienced, from what you've learned from other people of how just to maintain life in this life, those street, mar street smarts can help in this messed up world. Uh, Learning healthy knowledge can be uh, extremely helpful in making a living. It's, it can be very good. Uh, it also can help you make really good choices for your family. Those kind of things do count, and, and common sense can carry us many miles in this life. But worldly wisdom doesn't get us ready for eternity. It sees right here. It can't see out there. It's... It's usually about self-preservation and looking out for number one. It, it might help you achieve the American dream, but it'll never help you complete or be a part of the dream that God has for you. Just think about it like that, because everything in America right now is, but what about the American dream? What about... That's not here. That's, that's not what God has for you and me. That's, that's not what he's calling us to. What about the plan that he's got that he wants to achieve in your life and my life? That's what he's desiring from you to me, for you and me. James says the wisdom of this world is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. I don't know if you realize this, but Satan is a fantastic communicator. He is. We don't realize that. We don't wake up to that, but he's a great communicator and in that he's very convincing man he is the salesman he's so good at it and and he doesn't let up he's the good phone call that never ends he's the good car salesman that never quits until you finally sign on the bottom line that's who he is and he won't give up most of you know this because you've fallen to that kind of wisdom. I know it because I have fallen to that kind of wisdom. Think about what happened in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. It was the perfect storm, the perfect salesman with the perfect pitch. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, it says, it says you can follow along with me here. It says the serpent was the shrewdest. In other words, he was able to take anything, twist anything, move anything, make anything work so that you would listen. He was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, that's Eve, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now think about what he said there. He took something very, very close and he twisted it just a little bit. Now notice what happens. Verse 2. The woman replied, Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, You must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the serpent replied. He had given a little bitty twisted lie. It was real close because God didn't say you couldn't eat many tree. He said you can't eat that one. But notice what happens. Serpent replies, you won't die. God knows your eyes will be opened and opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Please pay attention to this because this is the way he works in my life and your life. It's the way he's working in your teenager's life. And it's the way he's working in your life against your teenager. It's the way he's working in your kid's life and it's the way he's working in your kid's life. again. It's the way he's working in your, your friend's life and the one that you're actually working against and you think's working against you right now. It's exactly the way he works. He took what God gave me, twisted it just a little bit, made it sound believable or put you on a, a defense. Well, no, God didn't say that. God said you just couldn't eat from that one. That's where we get caught up. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah you're right. You're right. You see the salesman in it? You're right. But really, he, you won't die. That's where the lie comes in. But we bought the first part of it, so we buy the second part of it. And the next thing we find out, we, we, we buy into it. it. It seemed just a little bit innocent, just a little bit off, but we buy into it. We compromise just a little bit. The next thing we know, we're believing it. We're in a mess, and we seem like there's no way out at that point. That's the way Satan loves to work. And there's not a one person in this room who's walked with Christ for more than a few days that doesn't realize that's exactly the way he works. Godly wisdom calls us to trade in our earthly values, our earthly wisdom for biblical values and biblical wisdom. And these are so different from what is wise by the world's standards. Godly wisdom challenges, it even demands that we take the focus off of us and place it on advancing the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. And, and it, it's getting shorter that time before the end. You know, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I'll tell you what, it's certainly closer than it was over 50 years ago when I started this life. And you as well. It's a lot closer than it was then. So should our urgency not go up instead of down? That's what our calling is to be. This is what it looks like. True wisdom results in a holy life that honors God. True wisdom, it, it, it shows up in a life that is about the honor of God. And so are the decisions that I'm making, are they honoring God? Are they, are they building the kingdom? 
Verse 17 and 18 in James 3 says it like this, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving. It is gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it is always sincere. And verse 18, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace that will reap a harvest of righteousness. Don't miss that very first part. It's from above. If you back up into James chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, whatever is good and perfect gift coming down to us from the Father, from God the Father who created all the lights in the heavens, the good and perfect gift. This is a good and perfect gift. It comes from above. It comes from God. Now, here's what James is actually saying in, in verses 17 and 18 here. It, it's pure. Its motives are pure. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It is holy. It relies on the truth of God and not the truth of this world. It is pure. It's also peace-loving. And it's not that... It's about world peace because as long as we live in this world, there's not going to be peace because there's this, there's this tension between the spiritual, uh, the, the demon side, the spiritual, the, the spiritual uh, satanic side, and then there's the God side, the biblical side. And there will be a tension in that until that's completely settled with the return of Christ. That will happen on this earth. That's not what he's talking about here. It's peace based on holiness, not compromise. It's about eternal peace. It's wisdom that desires eternal peace for every single human being. You really can't pass people without wondering, so where are they? Are they okay with Christ? Are they in that right spot with the Holy Father? Did they say a prayer one time or do they know God? Were they baptized in water or do they know God? Do they have the peace of God that has changed them from the inside out? When it's peace-loving, wisdom desires for every human to know the peace that comes from God. It also tells us that it's gentle and it says that it's gentle all the time. The wise person won't have to force their way because the Spirit's going before them. Now, there may be times when they have to go a different way, but they won't have to force their way. He will not compromise truth for the sake of peace either. It also says that it's willing to yield to others. Now, what this does not mean is it does not mean that we're called to be doormats. That's not what, it's, that's not what he's saying. It, but it does mean when it's yielding to others, it means we're compliant to the will of the Father. We're compliant to God's word and his will. And then the next one says it's full of mercy. It's almost like the fruits of the spirits are revealed to us once again and they show up in wisdom. Are you seeing that? Because he says you're full of mercy. It sees people like God sees people through the eyes of the Holy Father. And so it shows mercy in real ways every day. When it's needed, you give it, which it's always needed, so you're always giving it because people need the mercy of God. And then it says, and it gives good fruits. Because it's from God, it produces much fruit. 
Now, the next part of it is one of them that if we look at multiple translations, you'll see several different things there. And what you need to understand is that when it says shows no favoritism, there's actually about four different ways that could be translated. That one word can be translated in, in several different ways. So shows no favoritism is absolutely exactly right. That's what James has been dealing with here, that we don't pick a person because of what they look like or what they have or what they don't have or where they live or where they go to school or what they look like. It's, it, that's, we don't. We love people for people. That's part of this. The Christian Standard Bible translates this unwavering. And I think that's so important and so key here. It means that we stand by what we know is true no matter what it costs. It's where we have to be. It's that God's word says it, so I'm staying there. I won't trust anything else. I have to stay there. It says it's always sincere. It has no hypocrisy. In other words, our walk, our walk matches our talk. So what's coming out of our mouth is what's coming out of our life, and the two are not two separate things. No hypocrisy. And then his last thing he says, he says, it will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, what God touches is growing. It will multiply over and over again. That wisdom is going to spread in like a wildfire. Psalm 37 in verse 30 says this, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, but how do we get it? Here's the first one I see. We ask God for wisdom. And we have to humble ourselves before him before we can even begin to ask him for this. But we've got to ask him for it. It doesn't just, it, it, it's not, it doesn't just show up. It comes when we ask. It's, God wants us to have it. He wants you to have wisdom starting today. He's not sending you on some wild goose chase. He's saying, I got it. If you'll ask, you got it. That's what he says. It's not something that you stumble upon when you're taking a nature walk this afternoon. It doesn't just happen that way. You've got to ask him for it. It's something that we seek from God. It's something that God gives the seeker. Vance Havner says it like this. If you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. So we've got to ask for it. And the second one, we've got to abide in true wisdom as we seek God's truth in his word. See, we ask for it, but we, we begin to attain it and abide it as we look at it, read it, memorize it, study it in his word. That's how it becomes part of our lives. And then the last one that I see there is so important. We adapt to true wisdom with the people we choose to hang around. Or we will adapt to worldly wisdom by the people we choose to hang around. Now, if you've been going through our Bible studies here through the Gospel Project, you will have read this story in recent weeks, the story of Solomon. Many of you that I look around, I've already heard you teach part of this, the story of Solomon. He was given the privilege before God. This is David's son, and he's given the privilege before God to ask for anything. 
And what does he ask for? Wisdom. Of all the things he could ask for, he asked for wisdom. And the Lord gave it. And he became known the wisest man of all time. You may recognize some of the books that he penned, like the Proverbs and the Song of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, all books of wisdom in different areas of the life that we live here on this earth. Yet in his later years, he would turn away from following the wisdom that he had been given. He disobeyed the Lord and chose to stay that way. He even began to worship idols in 1 Kings chapter 11. How did he get there? By the people he was hanging around with. Specifically by the women he was hanging around with. It's how it happened and it overtook his life. You see, receiving wisdom didn't ensure that Solomon would follow through on the path of wisdom. And the tough thing is, is that he took the godly wisdom that God gave him so specially and he gave it up for worldly wisdom and he suffered for the rest of his life. And the rest of 1 Kings 11, Solomon's downfall, is, is what's outlined for us and, and given in really kind of gruesome detail. And the Lord would then remove the hand of blessing from the man that was once so great. And I'm just telling you, that's not what he wants for you, and that's not what he wants for me. It's bigger than that. He wants us to walk in wisdom. That's what can happen. And ironically, Solomon wrote the very words of Scripture of how all this works out. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise... You will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, if you say, I don't want that, or you, 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 you push it away, you will be the one to suffer. And he knew both of those. So this is my invitation to you in this place this morning. I just want you to be honest with you. Which wisdom looks more like you? Which wisdom looks more like your life this day? If you look back, just, just go a few days. Just go back to last Sunday. Just go back one week. Does your wisdom look more like the wisdom of this world that makes decisions? It's based on how you feel, how you look to other people, um, uh, what you're able to attain in this life. Looking for just what happens in your 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life. Or... Does it look like true wisdom, like godly wisdom, like biblical wisdom that sees beyond today, that sees that this is about honoring God with our lives. It's about making a difference for the kingdom, knowing that we can't even do that or on our own. We are completely dependent on a holy God to make that happen. Which life does yours look like? Because one looks like Jesus and one looks like anything but. I want you to think about this with me. According to the Holman Bible Dictionary, the real essence of wisdom is spiritual. For life is more than just living by a set of rules and being 
rewarded in some physical way. Without a doubt, the essence of wisdom comes from God alone. True wisdom. And even though wisdom will require some digging into the Word of God, even though wisdom requires us to honestly ask God for it, it requires true discipleship among other people that are walking with Christ as well. Wisdom really begins when we put our faith in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's where it begins. That's the beginning of wisdom. And have you surrendered your life to Christ? Because that's where wisdom has to begin. And if you haven't, why not right now? Jesus says, repent and believe. It's the first wise step for every person that will ever follow Christ. And if you know Jesus, and now you know that your actions, your life, the works, are because of the world's wisdom, that's what you're seeing come out of your life, confess that to Jesus right now. You just sang a song. Oh God, my God, I need you. We need you for wisdom. Ask him for that wisdom. Even now he will give you that wisdom. That's where you need to find yourself at this altar before a holy, holy God. And then acclimate yourself. Start hanging around, adapt yourself with people that, that know Jesus. And want to follow him and want to bring him glory. I want you to stand where you are right now, just real quietly where you are. And, and just in all, you know, we're talking about wisdom. A wise thing right now is probably not to move around. You can wait for three more minutes for whatever's got to happen. So you don't distract somebody else. Just, just by chance that God might be speaking to someone that somebody needs to come talk to Drew right now or somebody needs to go get something right with a friend right now because they've made choices that were not wise. Or you may just need to give your life to Christ. Man, I never want to be the foot that's held out to cause someone to stumble so they don't get there god forbid it oh god we need you help us to make a wise choice a wise decision right now in this moment trust in you asking you for wisdom in the holy name of jesus we pray